Aren't you looking forward to what God's going to do here today? I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in 2024. I've decided I'm going to go all in. I make that decision every year, but I think you need to make that decision uh, at the start of every new year. This year, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to live for him radically, more passionately, more intensely than I ever have. And watch what God does in your life when you start living for him with that mindset. Amen. John chapter 3 and verse number 6. John chapter 3 and verse number 6. more people in here and you're going to have to break ground somewhere else well can he do it praise God John chapter 3 and verse number 6 this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in the night and he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It's not an option. But I want to pay close attention to verse number eight. Jesus said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus was likening the Spirit unto the wind. And in verse 8, he began to describe the nature of the wind. He said, it blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. In other words, the nature of the wind, it's unpredictable, and it's uncontrollable. But when you look throughout Scripture, you will find out that the same word for the Holy Spirit the same word for an evil spirit is the same Greek word. It doesn't change. The nature of the wind doesn't change. Whether it's an evil spirit or a Holy Spirit, it's still unpredictable. and It's still uncontrollable. So I want to talk to you on this subject this morning. The wind doesn't change the wind doesn't change if you would would you lay your Bibles down and let's lift our hands lift our voices and let's just call on the name of the Lord would you do that from the front to the back I feel a special touch of the Holy Ghost in this room here today you and we are so thankful for the power that we feel in this room we know that this is the house of God which is the gate of heaven and I pray for revelation to go forth in this room release the gifts of the spirit to be in full operation I come against every opposition to this service both natural and spiritual God, we take every limitation off of you right now. Exceed our expectations because you are him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God, every soul that needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost, don't let them leave without it. Every prodigal that has decided to come back to the Father's house, don't let them leave without full restoration. Every yoke, every burden, let it be destroyed and lifted in this place today. 
we thank you for what we feel in this room. You are that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you for every addict that's going to be set free here today. I thank you for every struggling marriage that's going to be put back together. I thank you for the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that is going to be loosed from somebody's life. We thank you for it, Lord. And in the mighty name of Jesus, would somebody say in Jesus' name? God bless you. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> The Garden of Eden was originally designed to be an earthly model of heaven. God intended for it to be a perfect pattern of the spirit realm. In Genesis 2 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And in that moment, Adam was nothing more and nothing less than a body. He was just an inanimate object formed from the dust of the earth. And in order for him to become a living soul, he had to receive life from God. So God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And in that moment, man became a living soul. The Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. Man became a living nefesh. God breathed the breath required for man to live because being a living soul is something given from beyond the physical realm. It only comes from God. Rocks exist. Water exists. The stars and the sun and the moon exist, but they don't have life. Owing to this point, Life or a soul is not exclusive to human beings. And I understand there's theological debate around this topic, but the same Hebrew word in Genesis 2 and 7 is also used for the word life. In Proverbs 12 and 10, when Solomon said, A righteous man regardeth the life, the nefesh, the soul of his beast. Which is why early Jewish and later Christian scholars realize that breath and life and a soul is a supernatural thing that only comes from God. And it is that nefesh, that soul that gives <clears throat> animation and personality to living creatures. So to be clear, bacteria... And viruses and plants are not living creatures. <clears throat> they do not possess God-given life that provides individuality and personality. But animals are a step above everything else, and humanity is a step above animals. Though man is a step above beast, humanity and animals are alike in that we do have bodies that are material and we have a soul that gives us personality and individuality which is immaterial. This is part of the reason that theologians are constantly arguing whether or not man is comprised of two parts being only body and soul material and immaterial, or three parts being body, soul, and spirit. 
The argument for man only being two parts is that sometimes soul and spirit overlap in Scripture. But in other places, there is a clear distinction, such as in Hebrews when it says the Word has the ability to divide between soul and spirit. But where this truly matters is that if man were only body and soul, we would be no different than the animals who also possess body and soul. But what separates us from animals is our ability to commune with God through the Spirit. The New Testament Greek word for soul is psyche. And in both the Old and New Testaments, it is the soul that gives animation. It is the soul that gives personality. It is the soul that gives individuality to a person. The soul is the emotion and the intellect. It is the feeling of man. Man received that God-given life. In Genesis 2 and 7, when the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And from that moment forward, man began to develop his own personality. So it was not until man became a living soul that man had a free will. Before for man became a living soul, there was no individuality. There was no emotion. There was no feeling. So before man became a living soul, man did not have a free will, which is why God did not tell Adam what tree was available and what tree was forbidden until he gave Adam a soul. In other words, he did not give Adam a choice until he gave Adam the capacity to choose and God gave us the capacity to choose because he has confidence in every one of us that we are going to make the right choice to live for him the Bible said that the serpent beguiled Eve you've got to understand their beguile is not the same as a lie but to beguile somebody is to bribe them as though they will receive something better in return he wanted to make Eve think that if she will just eat of this fruit if she will just make the wrong choice then he will give her something better than relationship with the God that created her can I remind us going into 2024 that is why the medium that speaks into your life matters the voice speaking into your life that affects your ability to make the right decision matters it doesn't matter if it's a family member it doesn't matter if it's a friend it doesn't matter if it's Hollywood it doesn't matter if it's social media the medium that speaks into your life matters and I am challenging the body of Christ going into 2024 let's silence every voice that wants to try and trick us into thinking there's something better than living for God Come on, how many of you know living for God is the best life to live? It will give you the best marriage. It will give you the best job. It'll give you the best family dynamic. It'll give you the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest happiness. There is nothing like living for God. Hey, and I'll go a step further. You better be thankful you've got a man of God that's not afraid to preach the whole counsel of God without fear nor favor. You don't need to put pressure on this man to water it down in 2024. We've got enough mediums out in the world that are trying to tell us certain things don't matter anymore. I want to know, are you thankful for a pastor that still preaches the whole counsel of God?
And so it is the soul that gives individuality and uniqueness to a person. And as I said a moment ago, the Greek for soul is psyche. But watch this. A secular definition for psyche says it is often translated by the personal pronoun. And in this generation, it's all about he, him. And it's all about she, her. And it's all about they, them, and what your personal pronoun is. The spirit of the hour is trying to reduce a person's identity down to nothing more than a pronoun. But we are so much more than that in the eyes of God. Because the same Hebrew word for it became a living soul. In Genesis 2 is the same Hebrew word for I am in Exodus 3. In the original language it means I will be. But God did not say what he will be. He just said I will be. He left it open ended. I will be what? Hey Moses. I will be whatever they need me to be. Whenever they need me to be it. God was telling Moses, uh, no single adjective can describe the uniqueness and individuality of Jehovah. So man became a living soul. Man will be unique uh, with its own personality. And just as God will be an individual, you will be an individual. Can I preach to every person in here and tell you there's nobody like God and there's nobody like you. That's why God's people cannot be reduced to a pronoun in 2024. You are more than a he and a him. You are more than a she and a her. And you're definitely not a they or a them. And if the natural is a reflection of the spiritual, the apostolic church, we better reclaim our distinction as the people of God. We were not created to be shaped by culture. We were created to shape the culture. Somebody needs to rise to their feet in this house and say I am the apple of God's eye I am fearfully and wonderfully made I have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this come on give God some praise in this house right now Come on, lift your voice all across this building. I bind that spirit of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. You are not a man born in a woman's body. You are not a woman born in a man's body. You were born in the right body. God didn't make a mistake when he created you. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. So the number three, it bears great significance throughout Scripture. Three is the minor of seven, and seven is divine perfection. Therefore, three represents another form of wholeness and completion, which is why it's no coincidence that every habitation of God has been divided into three parts. You can look at the first habitation of God, which is creation, and it's divided into three parts, the earth, the atmosphere, and the heavenlies. And then you get to the tabernacle in the wilderness, and it was divided into three parts, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. And then finally, we see the temple that Solomon built and it had three parts. It was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy place. And in the New Testament, we are that tabernacle that is not made with hands. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And just as those Old Testament habitations we're divided into three parts. Man is divided into three parts. Paul said we are body, 
soul, and spirit. Every step through these different habitations of God were progressions into a spiritual dimension. That's why when Paul began to talk about the trichotomy of man, the free part of man, he said, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the reason that Paul mentioned spirit first is because that is the place of preeminence. The spirit world should set precedent for every other area of an individual's life. It is the spirit realm that we should live in, that we should operate in. The three parts of God's habitation are synonymous with the three-part being of man. So let's consider the habitation of creation. The earthly realm is synonymous with the body. That's the fleshly arena. The atmosphere is that invisible realm between the earth and the heavenlies. Just as the soul is the place between the body and the spirit. That is the emotional intellectual arena. We've already established the Greek word for soul is psyche. <clears throat> and it is that part of man that gives animation and individuality. It is the seat of intellect. It is the emotion and the feeling of man. But the soul of a man is so pivotal in a person's life because the soul is the mediator between body and spirit. Walking after flesh or spirit is determined by whether our soul is more open to fleshly things or more open to spiritual things. The soul has the ability to lift the flesh up to spiritual realms or it can drag the spirit down to fleshly realms. That's why I am alarmed traveling across our movement. When I go to a church and it takes an hour and a half for the people to plug into the spirit, that is a good indicator. They've been opening their emotions to fleshly and worldly things all week and now they have to sort through their flesh to redirect their emotions to the spirit world. Yet even then, a lot of our church services never make it out of that emotional, soulish arena. We sing and shout until we get emotional. And once our emotions are affirmed, we stop there and equate that with getting in the spirit. But the spirit realm is the goal. And that is the dimension God wants us to access. Because stopping in that soulish arena is the equivalent of a high priest going to the holy place and thinking that his job is done. But the holy place is not a holding place. The holy place is just an access point to the most holy place. So can I tell you, I am thankful for emotion and sensation and feeling good. God gave us those emotions and those sensations and the ability to feel good. That, But that is not all that he gave us. There is a dimension beyond what we merely feel and it is the spirit dimension and we have got to get to a place in 2024 where we stop equating motionalism with an authentic move of the Holy Ghost I want to know is there anybody in this house that has got a hunger going into this next year that regardless of what I feel Regardless of my emotions, whether there's goosebumps or not goosebumps, I want a genuine book of Acts move of the Holy Ghost in my life. And 
There's a dimension beyond emotion, and we've got to tap into that spirit. Because you see, the Old Testament tabernacle and temple, they were models for the New Testament church. Both started with sacrifice at an altar and ended with the glory of God in the most holy place. But our 21st century church services, we don't always follow that model. We begin right in the holy place. We begin right in that soulish emotional arena with music and singing and then we end with an altar call. But God's pattern started with an altar and it ended with an atmosphere. It ended with an atmosphere. But if in this hour, if we would start with death, uh, we could end with demonstration. Uh, I understand this may not be popular preaching, uh, but we got to get back to pre-service prayer. We got to get back to that place uh, where hungry individuals show up to the house of God and we seek the face of God until something begins to shift in the atmosphere. And then once our flesh is dead, then we can play the instrument then we can preach the message. And if we'll start with death, we can end with a demonstration of the power of God. If we'd start with death, we could end with demonstration. If we'd stop trying to get people to an altar and start getting them in an atmosphere, miracles wouldn't be relegated to the front of this building. But miracles could take place across this entire building. If we'd stop trying to get them around these steps and just develop an atmosphere that is so powerful, somebody on the back row could be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, why don't you lift your voice all over this house and let God know we are desperate for the wind to begin to blow. Brother Myers, I gotta be honest with you. I am tired of my generation asking, where are the miracles of Billy Cole? Where are the miracles of Lee Stone King? Where are the miracles of Nona Freeman? We ask that question. Where are the miracles? You've gotta understand that Aaron's rod that budded, it was not in that holy place. It wasn't in that soulish arena. It was in that most holy place. The symbol of the miraculous was not in that emotion arena because miracles do not abide in the place of emotional feeling they abide in the place of a spiritual reality if we quit stopping just when we feel good and learn how to get beyond our emotion then the blinded eyes would open Come on, I'm looking for this 40 and under crowd that's got a desperation this year. We're not in it for the feel good. We're not here for the emotionalism. We want Book of Acts revival. We want the bonded eyes to open. We want the lame to walk. We want the dumb. Where are the miracles? They're beyond emotion. Come on, let's lift our voices in this house. Deliver us from a consumer mindset in the house of God. Deliver us from an entertainment mindset in the house of God. God, let there be an awakening in this generation. We are not here to be entertained. We are not here to sit by idly. We are here to go beyond the emotion. We want the gifts of the Spirit. We want Holy Ghost outpouring. We want the miraculous. We want devils being cast out. We are not satisfied.
You see, right now the wind is starting to blow in this house. Why don't you let the wind control this church service right now? But God gave us emotions. God gave us emotions, therefore emotions are good. We are body, soul, and spirit. But just because you have emotions doesn't mean you should be controlled by them. But on the other side of that, just because you have the Spirit doesn't mean you're led by it. We've got a misconception in Pentecost that just because you have the Holy Ghost, you're spiritual. Some of the most carnal, toxic, venomous people I've ever met are full of the Holy Ghost. But at the same time, the most happy and the most kind and the most godly and the most loving and the most compassionate people I've ever met are full of the Holy Ghost. Paul distinguishes between the two. He wrote to the church of Corinth and said, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. In the Greek, that word natural man is psychikos. Look at the root word there, psyche. And in the Greek, the word spiritual there is pneumatikos. Look at the Greek word there, pneuma, spirit. So the Greek word for natural man is the same Greek word that Jude used for the word sensual in Jude 19. When he said, these be they, separating themselves sensual, having not the spirit. But when Paul used that word, he was not writing to unbelievers. He was writing to apostolics. So how can people full of the Holy Ghost be referred to as natural or sensual? It is because when you begin to study the word natural and sensual, it is literally defined as a man of animal soul. He is governed by his emotions overtaking his spirit. The spirit is sunk into a place of bondage to the emotions and the man is controlled by its earthly appetites just like an animal. Another translation said it like this. He is governed by breath which men have in common with beasts. The sensuous nature subject to its appetites and passions like that of an animal. So to be soulish is to be animated. It's to have personality. It's not to be a carbon copy. But to be sensual is to be animal-like. To have a soul is to have emotions. But to be sensual is to be controlled by those emotions. We have desires, but those desires do not control us. I'm trying to help somebody right now. you got to understand that just because you have emotions does not mean you are controlled by those emotions. It doesn't matter how strong that temptation is. It doesn't matter how great that urge, whatever it may be, is in your life. you got to make up in your mind. You are not a sensual man. You are a spiritual man. You are not led by the soul. You are led by the spirit. We are not animals. I said we are not animals. We have self-control. My emotions do not control me. I control my emotions. And just as there's a difference in having a soul and being sensual, and I'm going somewhere, stay with me. Just as there is a difference in having a soul and being sensual, there is also a difference in having the spirit and being spiritual. Spiritual. 
When a person receives the Holy Ghost, they have the potential to be spiritual, but only if they're spirit-led. And that's why Paul's frustration, that's what was Paul's frustration with the Corinthians. They had access to spiritual things, but did not tap into them because they were sensual. They were governed by their soul, their emotions. To be sensual is to be governed by the soul. But to be spiritual is to be governed by the spirit. But just because you have the spirit does not mean you're spiritual. Saul had access to the spirit, but David was spiritual. That's why when Saul prophesied, they said, is Saul also among the prophets? Uh, people were surprised when an unspiritual man was engaging in a spiritual thing. But when David prophesied, nobody asked if he was among the prophets uh, because when David was anointed, the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. It is one thing to have access to the spirit, but it is another thing to be governed by the spirit. That's why nobody should be surprised when you do something spiritual because you're not, you're not just filled with the Spirit. You've got to be a spiritual person. I don't want to be a man that has the Holy Ghost, but yet I live so carnally and so worldly outside of the pulpit that people are surprised that I've got a microphone in my hand preaching the Word of God. That's why you've got to conduct yourself in such a way where everything that you do is so governed by the Spirit of God that one day when you step into a gifting you've never operated in, people are not surprised when that holy hush comes over the building and you're the one that gives the tongues. And then for the first time ever, you're the one that gives the interpretation. Or you march into this building and you lay hands on somebody that's never received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time nobody needs to be surprised but I believe there's an awakening in this generation that has got a made up mind we don't want to just be filled with the spirit we want to be governed by the spirit of God come on somebody needs to shout with your voice in this house and say God I want to tap into things in 2024 I've never tapped into before Because the wind doesn't change. However, the soul is an access point for both an evil spirit and a Holy Spirit. Which one we're controlled by is determined by what we open our soul up to. 1 Samuel 16 and 13 said, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. The Lord did not send an evil spirit. He allowed an evil spirit to trouble Saul when the spirit of the Lord lifted. It was a changing of spirits. There was a, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. There was a different wind that began to blow. There was a season in Saul's life where the wind of the Holy Spirit was blowing. But when he rejected it enough, it finally got to a place where he opened his soul up enough to carnal things that the different wind, the unholy wind began to blow in Saul's life. And so the word spirit there in the Hebrew is ruah, which means breath or wind. It's the same word used to describe different winds because though the source of the wind may change, the nature of the wind does not change. It's always unpredictable and it's always uncontrollable. Jesus described it and said, the wind blows where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes from or whether it goes to. But he also describes the violent, controlling nature of an evil spirit. In Luke 9 and 42, he said, the devil threw him down and tear him. In Mark 9 and 20, he said, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foam 
roaming and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. All of these words used in reference to demonic spirits are pneuma, which means breath or wind. So just as an evil spirit can possess, make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit, it can also possess. But I want to challenge you here today and say, instead of it casting you into water and fire to destroy you, this holy wind, it can lead you to water and fire that will deliver you from every addiction. It will deliver you from every bondage. It will get you out of every... Come on, there are people in this room. There's been an unholy wind blowing in your life. But if you'll open your emotions up to the presence of God, there's another wind that'll blow in your life. Let's lift our hands and let's pray in this house. Come on, there's people in this house. You've opened the door somewhere in your life. You've opened your emotions up to all of the wrong things. And now that thing has got a stronghold on you. That, that wind that's blowing in your life, it's unpredictable. It's uncontrollable. It's violent in nature. But if you'll open your emotions up to the presence of God, there's another wind that'll begin to blow in your life. The wind doesn't change. The wind can destroy or the wind can deliver. I'm almost done. It just depends on what your emotions feed on. It said the spirit tear him. And there are people in this room, you know what it's like for your life to be torn apart by the wrong kind of wind. You opened your soul up to money and became controlled by the wind of greed. You opened your soul up to drugs and became controlled by the wind of addiction. You opened your soul to immorality and became controlled by the wind of perversion. You opened your soul to lust and became controlled by the wind of promiscuity. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance because when you open your soul up to the Holy Ghost. You become controlled by the right kind of wind. When the wind blew in the upper room, the onlooker said they were drunk, but they weren't drunk. They were just being controlled by the uncontrollable. Can I tell you this revival in 2024, we're not gonna be able to control it. It's not gonna come the way we think it's gonna come, but the wind doesn't change. When revival truly comes, it'll be uncontrollable and it'll be uncontainable. You see, everybody wants revival as long as they can control the wind. They want it to fit their schedule. They want it to fit their yearly planning meeting. And they don't want it to require any more consecration and sacrifice from them. They want to take the wind and they want to put it in a box and expect it to still blow. But when the true wind of revival comes, we need to lift our hands and pray right here all over the house.
Let's lift our hands and pray. <clears throat> feel I feel that wind blowing in this room right now you need to stop trying to control the wind and let the wind control you right now come on stop trying to put the wind in the box of familiarity in your comfort zone why don't you let the wind break that box right now? I keep feeling this. I want you to listen to me. This keeps coming back to me. But I keep seeing a door. I keep seeing a door. I keep seeing a gust of wind blow in one direction and the door opens. But then I keep seeing wind blow from the other direction and the door swings back shut. That door, it speaks to a place of decision. It speaks to a choice. Because just as the wind of the Holy Spirit wants to blow that door open. The wind of an evil spirit wants to blow that door shut. Which wind blows is determined by what we open our emotions up to. East wind. Wind is in the name. And I'm going to tell this church, just as the wind of holiness wants to blow, there's a wind of compromise that wants to blow as well. Just as there's a wind of separation that wants to blow, there's another wind that wants to blow, that wants to tell us certain things don't matter. Outward holiness and separation doesn't matter. Which wind is dominant is determined by what you open your emotions up to. I keep feeling the word decision, 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 decision. This church is at a place of decision because there's two winds trying to blow. There's a wind of godliness that's trying to blow. 
But then there's a wind of worldliness that's trying to blow. Regardless of which wind, the nature of the wind doesn't change. They're both violent. Just as strong as the wind of revival wants to blow in this church like never before. I am telling you in the Holy Ghost as sure as I stand here. That there are other winds that want to shut that revival down. You got to be careful what you open your emotions up to. Let's all stand and let's lift our hands and let's pray. I want you to pray until the wind blows you to this altar. You don't need to wait on a formal altar call. I want you to pray and open your emotions up to the presence of God so strong that that wind blows you to this altar. Come on, we got to make a decision. You're making a decision in this room. You're making a decision in this room. I want you to pray until that wind blows you to this altar. There's a lot of people still left in their seat. I'm asking you, I want you to pray until that wind blows you to this altar. If you don't feel the wind blowing, why don't you step out of your seat and come to this altar and open your soul up to the right kind of wind and watch that wind blow in your life. Come on. I'm inviting everybody out of your seat. Come to this altar. Come to this altar. Let the wind blow. Come on, the wind is blowing again. The wind is blowing again. I want you to squeeze in as close as you can around this altar. Squeeze in as close as you can. Make some room. Here's what we're going to do. Listen to me for just a moment. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Every hand down. Every eye closed. Every hand down. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost... If you have never spoken with other tongues, I want you to raise your hand. Put your hand in the air. If you've never spoken with other tongues, we got hands going up. There's one hand over here. There's hands. There's hands. Altar workers, if you would, find somebody with their hand up. Keep your hand up until somebody gets to you. Altar workers, ministry, find somebody with their hand up. Find somebody with their hand up. We're going to repent collectively. Then I'm going to give some more instruction. Let's repent collectively as a body, everybody. Would you lift your voice and repent? Whatever you've opened your emotions up to in the last year, we're going to start fresh going into 2024. Whatever you've opened your emotions up to in the last year, I want you to close your emotions off to those things. If it's ungodly entertainment, if it's a relationship, if it's an attitude, come on, we need, come on, I need everybody. Let's lift our voices and let's repent. Everybody, even if you don't think you need to, we all have some things we've opened our emotions up to this year that we need to close off to. If you don't know how to repent, say, God, I'm sorry for all of my sins. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's repent together collectively as a body. Everybody say, God, I'm sorry for all of my sins.
I'm sorry for everything I've looked at, everything I've thought about. I'm sorry for everything I've said, everything I've done. Forgive me, God, for all of my sins. All right. He just forgave you of every sin. You don't have to beg God to forgive you. You don't have to plead with God to forgive you. He just forgave you of every sin. Now it's time for him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'm going to count to three and we're all going to lift our voices and shout hallelujah. When we lift our voices and shout hallelujah, and when I say us, I mean everybody. These people that are seeking the Holy Ghost, they need us to create an atmosphere for their deliverance. When we count to three and shout hallelujah, the person that's praying with you, they're going to lay their hand on their forehead, on your forehead. When their hand touches your forehead, your tongue is going to begin to move in a way you don't understand. The Bible says the Spirit gives the utterance. You say, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. Good, you're not supposed to. Because the Spirit gives the utterance. That means God gives you the ability to speak in a heavenly language as a sign that the wind of the Holy Spirit is now blowing in your life. There are people in this room, you came in controlled by the wrong kind of wind. That wind has torn you to pieces. It's destroyed your life. But here in this moment, there's another wind that's about to blow. I feel the peace of the Holy Ghost. Every hand raised, every eye closed. Altar workers, wait on me to count to three before you lay hands on them. By the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, I loose the winds of the Spirit to begin to blow in this room. From the front to the back, from the left to the right, let the wind of the Holy Ghost begin to blow in this house. I come against every addiction, every sickness, every disease, every yoke of bondage. I bind guilt and shame in Jesus' name. And I loose the wind of the Spirit to begin to blow. When I count to three, let's all lift our voices and shout hallelujah. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, lift your voice. Receive ye the Holy Ghost.
doors fling wide I see glory as I run inside the throne room Before you I bow I 